1: to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is
0: the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn
1: right it is. It is a brand new week, a brand new day. It is a Monday, the greatest day of the entire week. Welcome into the show. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it is great to have you. What's going on, my friends? Hopefully, you had a wonderful weekend. It was good. It was busy, but nonetheless, we're ready to go here for another one. And we are one week closer to election week. We are a week away from Halloween. I know you're excited about that as much as I am. Where do we start today? Good golly. Bottom of the hour, Professor John Ellis, we've had him on the show before. He is the author of the book, The Breakdown of Higher Education, as we talk about the breaking down of, well, higher education. We'll talk about the academia of today, also the Supreme Court, and some of the latest hearings. They will be hearing a case on affirmative action. They're also hearing cases on the constitutionality of certain spending projects. They shut down the EPA a while ago. Will they shut down the... Student loan forgiveness program is now that is officially on hold, according to the media. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. We have some election updates. The Republicans already filing lawsuits. The media in a heyday. It's madness. The October surprises happened before elections even even began. So. <laughs> yeah Sorry, we'll get into all that and more coming up on the show, but it's great to have you today, and hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. It was extremely busy. I always need an extra day just to recover from the projects that I always do all weekend long. I a little voice of reason was excited. She, again, wanted to play Minecraft. I didn't get a chance to play Minecraft this weekend, but that's okay, because I was doing other things. She enjoyed it, though. She got to go to a friend's house, and uh, Mrs. Voice of Reason, and I finally got to go out and have a little bit of a a date night. So that was nice. I don't remember the last time we got to do that. Doesn't happen very often, and it was for a a particular reason, but it was fun nonetheless, so it was great to get out and about and then get some stuff done at the Hoosier Media Network Studios. Uh, Over the weekend as well, it was an interesting time as today, I guess at the weekend, today, the view. Now, you know, I'm all about widening the umbrella I'm all about trying to reach out to those on the other side that may not hear the Republican message, may not be able to hear conservative messages, trying to win over people on our ideas, not through gossip, not through drama, but through a dialogue, through conversation. I don't know how many people you can actually honestly reach out and win over from The View. But Ted Cruz tried it, and I commend him for it, for giving it a shot. Didn't go very well, though.
0: Guys, we Ladies, excuse us. Let us do our job. Let us do our job. We hear what you have to say, but you got to go. You got to go. You got to let us do our job. We weren't even protesting you. You got to let us do our job.
1: Wow. I mean, I guess I commend Whoopi for defending not really Ted Cruz, but just shutting down some protesters and hecklers as they were yelling and screaming about some type of environmental garbage, whatever, and how Ted Cruz is the most evil, horrible human being on the face of the earth. Uh, They did grill him, of course, though, on why you hate women's rights and, I mean, just the typical thing. He's out promoting his new book. And, again, while I'm all open about trying to reach out to new crowds... Some of them you just don't want to go to, unless it's for the pure entertainment value. But Ted Cruz did have a decent remark as he was on Fox Fox News earlier today, as well, recapping on why he even went there in the first place.
0: They were climate radicals, and they were they were screaming, but it, it shut the view down for a while. And I'll tell you, it was a it was a bit of a circus. But the reason I went on the view is I think it's important that that conservatives reach much more broadly than just preaching to the choir. That we need to reach a lot of the viewers of the view have only seen one partisan story the whole time. You know, a few minutes later, Whoopi Goldberg insisted she was obsessed with January 6th, and she said, it's only Republicans who engage in violence. And I couldn't help but laugh. I said, did you miss an entire year of Antifa riots all over the country, firebombing cities? And Whoopi insists, I, I don't know what you're talking about. What? What?
1: Of course. Of course not. They don't know what they're talking about. And you don't go there to try and win anybody over. You go there to poke the bear and have a little fun and see what the response is because it's the pure entertainment value. I am all for winning over individuals. And maybe, just maybe, you can win over one person of like, oh, well, he actually is not a a horrible demon like they try to uh, make him out to be in the mainstream media and on The View. And I guess I applaud them for having him on. But uh, if I were in that position, i got to admit, I don't know if that would be one show that I would go on. Maybe it would be, though, just for the sole purpose of heckling them. Just poking the bear and pushing the buttons and seeing what type of response I can get from them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I would want to go onto the view, but I commend him for that one. Republicans are out there a lot trying to win over crowds, trying to get you amped up for election time, which is good news. With us out there, Ron McDaniel is doing a massive bus tour and traveling all over the country. Ted Cruz is part of that, a 17- or 18-state tour right now, trying to get Republicans united and excited. I Just before I got on this program, I was a guest on Armed American Radio with the great Mark Walters, great personal friend, and we talked about the early voter turnout, as we've talked about many times on this show, on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, as Democrats predominantly dominate the early voter turnout. But this year, is that really the case? Are Republicans the one really showing up because we have that much momentum on our side? There's not a policy agenda that's driving Democrats to the polls. So what would it be for our side? Obviously, we have a lot of issues because they're angry. But what would drive them to turn out with this much enthusiasm, excitement? I just don't see it. So I am optimistic. And Republicans have united for the most part going into this election season, and I am very excited about that as well. In fact, Ronna McDaniel did come out on Fox News earlier today as well and said that we're even bringing in third-party candidates, which is desperately needed. As we're seeing our economy in shambles and they see gas prices going up again and they saw the inflation numbers from yesterday, you wake up thinking about the issues you deal with every day you know it's harder to fill the tank. You know it's harder to get groceries. And so those are the things at the top of the mind of every voter right now because it's right in front of them and it's bringing independence towards Republicans. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't the Libertarian vote be nice to actually vote with Republicans to say, hey, let's clean up Washington, D.C., let's get the majorities in there, and then let's hold Republicans accountable for saying that they're Mr. or Mrs. Conservative when they get into Washington, D.C. There are a few of them that we still need to weed out on their moderate isms, and by moderate ism, I don't mean just trying to purify the party, but I am saying that those that predominantly vote with Democrats or try to sabotage Republican agendas of limited government, lower taxes, uh, more free markets, that sort of thing, then we need to start working them out of the party. And we are. Oh, we are. Just look at, uh, um, what's her name? Liz Cheney. I always forget. I always want to say McCain because, I mean, the Cheneys and the McCains are like part of the two same there, part of the establishment, part of the moderates. Liz Cheney, she went out and she went out in style, baby, losing by like 60 points in the state of Wyoming. So we are on the road for success. Now, here's the big part. and I guess this is our what's trending story of the day what's trending today and this is kind of interesting but i'm glad that we're on top of this it may cause some controversy the media is all over this obviously already but this is good news according to foxnews.com that rnc the republican national committee has launched 73 election lawsuits in 20 different states already Now, this is going to be very triggering for some, as some still question the 2020 election. Others do not question the 2020 election. Others are still up in the air and say they don't know what happened, as I am probably in that latter category myself. I can see it. At the same time, I can see other conversations. I think it depends on state by state on how things went. However, I am glad the Republican committee is working on these uh, lawsuits already. Andy, the election hasn't even been held. What do you mean? How can they file 73 election lawsuits? What they've done is they've essentially put the feet to the fire for secretary of states all over the country to make sure things are being done the proper way before it gets out of hand. Call them out on their shenanigans and make sure we hold their feet to the fire. According to the Republican National Committee, they've launched 73 lawsuits on election integrity in 20 different states for the 2022 midterm election cycle. As the scope of the legal challenges stretch from right a poll watchers to observe the counting of votes to the illegal counting of mismarked absentee ballots. Why not start these? Why try to play the game afterwards when the election's all done and say, oh, these aren't right. We need to take it to court and fight it like we have for the last couple of years in 2020. Why not start the lawsuits now and say, hey, we're watching you. We know what's going on. We know what potentially happened before. And we don't want to make sure we don't want it to happen again. We want to make sure this election is free, that it's fair, that it's done properly and that it's accurate by the end of the night. What is wrong with that? So. Why not start the lawsuits? Yeah, you know what? If there's a mismarked absentee ballot, if someone did not sign it, if it looks a little sketchy, if there's been one with the couple with the multiple names on it, if something weird is going on with an absentee ballot, then we need to make sure that we verify it and that we do not actually count it, or at least we only count it once and not multiple times, that we have the right for poll watchers to be around the nation watching the polls as people are in early voting. And with the massive turnout of early voters... It loops it all back around to the conversation we just had. Is the early voting predominantly led by Republicans that are enthusiastic? Or is it by Democrats who predominantly run the early voting until Republicans show up on election day? Or have Republicans learned their lesson and said, you know what? We don't want to have that same mistake of somehow the electoral voting machine freezing up on election night. Of losing the ballot that I had. Of it somehow you know, being found in someone's uh, trunk of their car For some way, shape, or form. We want to make sure that it's done accurately. So if you're going to count the early votes like you do, then we're going to go out and vote early as well. Have Republicans changed their tone or changed their ways that they're going to vote on this one? And will the poll watchers actually be allowed to watch the polls? Will the absentee ballots be done accurately? and deficiently. Now, here in Kansas, where I'm at, I'm relatively confident in ours. I talk to our Secretary of State a lot. I am good friends with our Secretary of State, and I trust him when he says that ours are pretty good. Could we fine-tune the system? We can always fine-tune the system, but I feel pretty confident in ours here in Kansas, where I'm based out of. Not so much in other states, but it does bring up a good point. The state of Georgia, for example, the state of Florida, for example, The states with massive early voter turnout, with record voter turnout, both in the 2020 election and already in the election that we're seeing here for 2022. It begs the question, I thought that the voter laws that they put in place that everybody threw a fit about and campaigned against, saying it was going to prohibit individuals from voting because of the verification for you to prove who you are to go and vote, that it was going to halt voter turnout because it was racist And it was against poor people and it was against black people or it was against whatever to where it was going to infringe upon people's right to turn out and vote. And after instilling these voter laws to make sure they're more secure, they're having voter turnout records for two elections running right now. I think that's something that the media is not talking about. Can we at least admit that for some way? And then Republicans putting these lawsuits in place already, they're not pursuing them yet, but they're throwing them into the court system saying, we're watching you, we're aware of you, we know what's going on, we're allowed to have poll watchers even for early voting, so if you want to actually be a poll watcher in your area, then all the power to you and go and do it. And if you want to watch the mismarked absentee ballots and verify and be part of that system, do it. If you want to be part of the system to make sure it's done properly, be a part of that system. Don't complain about it at the end of the day. Don't whine about it afterwards. Be part of the solution and be part of those watchers. Be the ones that are verifying the system to make sure that it's done with integrity, with integrity, and make sure that it's done fairly and equally for everyone. Then, regardless of whether it comes out on our side or not, we can at least accept it. And we can appreciate the system that's in place for us to have a representative form of government right now a lot of people don't feel that's the case so let's do something about it and with record voter turnout that's either a really good sign or a really bad sign but the rnc they're on it and they're watching and we're going to watch throughout the entire election process as well
0: the voice of reason with andy usher bring some reason into your day this is the voice of reason with andy
1: hoosier darn right it is 24 minutes past the hour radio tv live streaming and podcasting i want to do something and since we don't take phone calls on this program because we have multiple radio stations just aired at different times i don't want to try and open up the phone lines and only get calls from one particular area so i want you to email me Hoosier media network at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts from your community around the country, wherever you're listening to the show. Who's your media network? H O O S E R, media network at gmail.com. Have you voted early? Do you know people that have voted early? And what is the mindset in your community? Because I don't want to be just in the echo chamber. I don't want to be just hearing from Republican side of the aisle saying, oh, yeah, things are great. We're going to have this tsunami. We're going to have 40 seats on the Republican side on the House and 10 seats in the Senate. Like, I don't want to hear that. While I am optimistic and while I am encouraged— and I like to hear that to make me feel good. At the same time, I want to hear realistic numbers from the other side as well, from Democrats who are like, oh, yeah, we're totally going to like maintain the House and keep the Senate as well. Like, I want to hear that side because I want to hear their justification on how they come to that reasoning. I don't see it. I don't know about it. But I want to hear it so that way I can find the happy medium in between the two to have a rational expectation. Then at the same time, if we have the RNC launching These different lawsuits all over the states, in 20 different states right now, I am more confident that we are going to be making sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, and that everything's going to be done appropriately in these states because the Republican Party is on it and is watching it. Whether people agree with Donald Trump or not about the 2020 presidential election, the positive news that this has brought is that it has brought the concern about voter fraud, concern about rigged elections, concern about the loosey-goosiness in the laws in some states. It has brought it to top of mind for individuals to make sure that it doesn't happen. Again, it's kind of the overcorrecting. You ever play baseball? And you have bad form, either you're swinging your baseball bat, you have the bad form. What do you do? They have you overcorrect. Turn your hips really big this way. And they have the little, I remember the thing I used to sit on when I used to practice baseball, uh, where you put your back foot on the little heel spinner thing and the other one on your toe spinner thing, and then you twist, and it would really make your hips twist out. And it would be an overcorrection to get that muscle memory. So that way, when you didn't have those, then you swung your baseball bat appropriately. There you go. For those that play baseball or learn baseball or know baseball, I just threw that that sports analogy. You're welcome, sports people. I know what <laughs> I know what I'm talking about when it comes to sporting things, but you overcorrect. In this case, we're overcorrecting. There may not be any issues in these certain counties or in these certain states when it comes to these issues, but we're aware of it. If there is any cause for concern, we're on it. We're letting them know we're on it early, so that way they can't try to pull the wool over our eyes yet again in another election. And I think that's really good news. I think that that's encouraging. So when we look at close races like Pennsylvania right now with Dr. Oz, then I'm more optimistic it's going to come out fairly. That was a swing state in 2020. When we look at uh, Herschel Walker in the state of Georgia, I am optimistic about that race. I think that we are going to win that one. And I think both of those seats are ones that we will maintain or flip to be Republican in this election in the Senate. Then you have Colorado. Colorado's eh, Colorado's a little iffy. Obviously, that's gone further to the blue. I think that they're going to maintain and hold that one, unfortunately. But there are other states where I think we could win a Senate seat and pull off that majority. And imagine if you will. A 20-vote majority in the House of Representatives, a 3- or 4-vote majority in the U.S. Senate. Imagine, Joe Biden can throw a fit as much as he wants, but when Congress unites and passes bills and put things on his desk or vetoes what he's doing, then they can't come back and say Republicans are obstructing. That's when Republicans need to take control of the dialogue and the conversation and say, Joe Biden, you're the one obstructing, getting us back on track you're the one halting progress you're the ones that's obstructing real reason and common sense here you're the one stopping any type of movement in this nation turn the dialogue back on them i don't know the last time that's actually happened gotta be honest because barack obama was a mastermind at throwing out something absurd and republicans when they stopped it then it was their fault for shutting down the government and letting people die in the streets no more of that crap man We're angry, we're tired, we're sick of it, we're going to take back the dialogue, we're going to take back the control. We are going to move forward with a common sense approach to this country. Professor John Ellis, right around the corner. The
0: Voice of Reason, with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio. You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, and moving through a hey, Monday, it is the fastest hour of radio on, well,
1: radio. We covered a lot of ground. I know we've been covering election stuff a lot, so we may be beating a dead horse here. I get it. I'm, I'm sure my voters, hey, Andy, it's election season. We get it. We're going to go and vote. Yes, we need to vote Republican or Democrat or whatever side you may be on. We get the point, Andy. But I'm telling you, you got to remind people sometimes. Me... I got to be told 20 or 30 times at least that's what my wife tells me is that <laughs> is that right <laughs> If she tells me enough times and finally I'll do it and they'll be like honey I was totally planning on doing it the whole time All right let's get into what's trending for the stories today what do you say
0: what's trending today
1: there is a lot to get to obviously as the uh, u.s supreme court wrapped up the lair hearings in june which obviously caused a lot of controversy not just with the reversal of roe v wade but also with some other issues as well going after the epa saying they're not allowed to fund certain projects through the fourth branch of bureaucratic garbage saying that they can spend trillions of dollars of our taxpayer money but coming up now now that they're in their new session there's a lot of cases as well What does that mean for the country? What does that mean for higher education? What does that mean for the brainwashing of young adults nowadays? Really happy to have back on the program. He is author of the book, The Breakdown of Higher Education. He is a professor emeritus of many different studies, University of California and other places as well. Excited to have on the program, Professor John Ellis. John, how are you, my friend?
2: Uh,
1: Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it is great to have you back on the program. I enjoyed the conversation last time that we had you on. It is encouraging i think to me that we're discussing supreme court issues because that's usually not something that makes the headlines unless of course it's the reversal of roe v wade and everybody's going to die in the streets kind of thing but at least people maybe are starting to pay attention to some of the cases they're hearing now aren't they
2: i think so and you may be seeing a reversal of uh racial preferences in higher education coming up we can't be sure But I think it's likely the Supreme Court is going to at last say absolutely not to uh, racial quotas, racial preferences. And it's going to say basically that each individual applying for a place at a college is going to be treated on his or her own merits, regardless of anything else. Now, that will be a wonderful thing if it happens.
1: Yeah, that is a wonderful thing if it happens. It's If it happens, and I, you're right, I mean, I guess if it's going to, this Supreme Court now would be the ones to do this, but the other side would lose their minds because they've been fighting for this argument for a very long time.
2: Yeah, well, especially, see, because it really opens the door for the radical left to have its people come in. I mean, every time you see... Uh, a, a not very well qualified to a professorship, uh, that uh, someone that wouldn't not gotten it on merit, you can bet that it's a radical leftist. And that is, in fact, how the radical leftist has increased its size on the campuses in about the last 30, 40 years. And that has had disastrous results because uh, it's it's driven higher education away from Debate, knowledge, and in the direction of radical politics. So, at the moment, the universities, our universities, our great universities, yeah. they deal more in radical politics than they in knowledge.
1: Sure. Yeah. Last time we had you on, we talked a lot about the professors on how they have hijacked it and the ratio of uh, radical progressive versus conservative uh, professors at these universities. But this affirmative action issue really did marginalize a lot as well and one case that they just try to ignore they put the blinders on when they discuss the issue is the Asian community to where they overwhelmingly could do very well in college and get more of their students in college but because of affirmative action stuff and capping the amount that could go then they uh, they're kind of a victim in the situation but progressives don't like to acknowledge that a minority in the country is a victim.
2: Absolutely they now call them some White-allied, I think, is the term they use, something like that. So there are whites that don't get preferences, and there are white-allied groups. And that, that's the code word for Asians. But but uh, what's sad about this is that uh, we all ought to be cultivating a, a climate of, of rewarding effort, a rewarding achievement. Now, those Asian kids, a awful lot of them belong to families who work ethic and and an ethic of getting yourself uh, up from a a poor beginning to make something of yourself. And those kids in Asian families, the parents stand over them and they work. I mean, those kids put in hour, long hours of study. Now, people have done studies of how many hours Asian students put in compared to how many whites and blacks and so on. And there's just a question. These kids... Put in the hours. They study hard. They work, and they deserve to be rewarded for that work. We don't want a society where if you work hard, you're not rewarded for your, work, for your hard work. That, that's a corrupt society. We don't want to live in that kind of society. But every time uh, you tell a black kid you don't have to work as hard, you don't have to work the long hour that these Asian kids do, you know what actually happens? Those kids actually believe you and they do less work. And and so so you're actually what you're really doing is you're sabotaging black progress as well as sabotaging Asian progress. You're sabotaging both of them at the same time yeah. with this kind of policy.
1: You're absolutely right. And not just sabotaging them, but also teaching them about the work ethic of what's accepted and what's not accepted, which bleeds in not just to higher education, but also to their careers thereafter, doesn't it?
2: That's right. it's absolutely right. When they get into college, and again, studies have been done of how many hours kids put in
0: when they're
2: on a college campus. And those studies consistently show that black kids put in fewer hours than the rest. Now, that's, I think that's our fault. I mean, we told them that you can get into college with much less work than other people have to put in. You know, you. Get onto a, a good college campus, uh, but if you're an Asian kid, you're going to have to have an A or an A plus to get onto that college campus. Now, that's a, that's a very bad thing to say to your daughter, isn't it? I mean, suppose you have two kids, right? You have, and you say to one of them, "I'm going to I'm going to hold you to the highest standards," and then you say to the other one, "I'm going to hold you to a much lower standard." <laughs> now, to me, that would be that would be child abuse. <laughs> I mean, you should never do that to your children. You know, that's a that's a terrible thing. But that's what we're doing with black kids. We're saying to them, "You don't need to work as hard. You don't need to get high grades. We, we'll we'll forgive you. We'll 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 push you ahead anyway." Well, to me, that's not helping those black kids. That's doing real damage to them, and that's what I fear is really going on. I mean, I think we can be we can certainly feel very sorry for the Asian kid who puts in a lot of hours and then is told too bad. We have a quota for Asian kids. So I certainly feel sorry for them. But personally, I feel even more sorry for the black kids hmm. whose progress is sabotaged by people giving them the message that.
1: Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, yeah, we're holding one with a really high standard. The other one with not so much of a high standard, but then yet, you know what? We're going to have an equal outcome at the end of the day, which is, What their goal is we're talking with john ellis author of the book the breakdown of higher education let's tie in student loan forgiveness to this as well now that we're trying to forgive student loan ten thousand twenty thousand dollars from the biden administration i know it's being held up in court right now and being discussed but if something like this goes through then we talk about getting rid of tuition for the two-year community colleges and that sort of stuff eventually just making college free would that make the situation better or worse in your opinion
2: well, much worse because uh, you have then got uh, colleges with no incentives to make their programs good. I mean, in other words, if there's a price to be paid for a kid to get into a college, then that kid is going to say, "Is it worth it?" Now, the you know professors don't want that because then the kids you know won't feel any sense of responsibility for what they've paid. So. So in other words, the professors can can, can teach radical politics instead of preparing them for a career, but the kids haven't paid anything for it anyway. So so the basically a subsidy. Then in other words, what we're really doing with free college is we are paying huge subsidies to a radical left ideology that's destructive, mm. that hates our country. We are we are actually subsidizing that 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 uh, kind of uh, ideology sure. if we have free college. So I'm dead against that. I mean, I think we should be, we should be doing the other way around. We should be saying to colleges, you should be um, you should cut your costs by cutting out the diversity bureaucracy. All those all those. It, I mean, we should probably tell them that they should cut their administrations in half overnight. Then they can lower the cost of tuition that way. Yeah. Uh but but telling telling colleges that we'll give them unlimited public funds to make make them free for everybody, that's the wrong way to go. That encourages irresponsibility on, on the part of professors.
1: Yeah. Amen to that. we got just about a minute left here, John, before we have to let you go. Moving forward, though, with this increase in interest in maybe trade schools or other alternatives rather than just the university, do you think that's going to be our saving grace here to start holding universities accountable for their bias and their agenda?
2: Well, I think it's going to be a very good thing to do. I mean, I I think trade schools are critical things. People look down on them because they're about careers. I don't. I I mean, in fact, uh, there are plenty of... uh, Uh-oh. those are a different kind. So I'm all in favor of trade schools myself. I think they teach people things that are are intelligent, and you know they're all about problem solving too. It isn't true they're not intellectual. They are. Sure, our uh, face difficulty, difficult to solve every day. They learn how to use their minds in that way. They learn how to think. They learn how to reason. Yeah. So I, I'm all in
1: favor of principles. It's all about it. The Breakdown of Higher Education. Go check out the book. It's Professor John Ellis. John, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. We appreciate it. we got to get you back on again soon, my friend. I look forward to it. Hey, I okay. hey, appreciate that very much. All right, got got one more break here. Come back. We'll wrap up the show for a Monday episode of The Voice of Reason. Stay here. The
0: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. There it is. Welcome back into the program. Wrap it up today for a Monday
1: on the voice of reason. Here, the greatest day of the entire week. Thanks again to Doctor John Ellis coming on the show. It was a, it was sad that we didn't have the best phone connection there, so I had to let him go early. I wanted to try and carry him on because he had some great content. We will definitely get him back on the show because we love chatting with him. Great uh, information as we talk about the breakdown. Of higher education is his book. Go and check that out. And the breakdown of just education in general, the common sense in the world, common sense, reason, and rationale, which is what we try to promote here on our program, which is why it's time for us to kind of lose a little bit of as we go into the Biden basement. Let's go into the Biden basement. So as we talk about the student loan forgiveness program, some may have been aware that this has been challenged in court. The first time it got shot down, they did not accept the case. Now a new federal judge has come out and accepted it to hear it and therefore has freezing the student loan forgiveness program, which has taken applications of what they say near 20 million borrowers in this nation. And they were going to start dispersing funds out and forgiving these loans by mid-November. Now what that means for the future of the program, we don't know. Because after the first judge did not want to pick up the case, they appealed, and the six Republican states, including right here in Kansas, where I'm based out of, our Attorney General, who's running for governor, and he will get in, by the way, because I may I may have to play, if I have the time tomorrow, I may play Donald Trump's Sunday video endorsing Derek Schmidt. Hilarious video. It was fantastic. As Donald says, it's great. It's huge. It's bigly. So I'll, I may play that on the show tomorrow just for... Uh, Kicks and giggles there. But uh, while we talk about the student loan forgiveness program, what the future of it may hold, Joe Biden has again lost his mind understanding what's really going on. So either this is him not recognizing reality right now again, or this is to brainwash people to think that it's already done and Republicans trying to obstruct it is nothing more than haters trying to hate on people getting free stuff.
0: The other piece what we're trying to do is you probably aware, I've just signed a law that's being challenged by my Republican colleagues. The same people who got PPP loans during the, for up to close to, in some cases, up to five, $600,000, they have no problem with that. The individuals in Congress got those. But um, what we've provided for is, if you went to school, if you qualify for a Pell Grant, you qualify for 2000, I mean, excuse me, uh, you, you qualify, for $20,000 in debt forgiveness. Secondly, if you don't have one of those loans, you just get 10000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two. And it's in effect. And already, a total of, I think it's now, 13 million people have applied for that service. It's passed. It's already
1: done. It passed by one or two vote majority. Is that what he said? Let's go back there for a second. Is that what he said? That's, by the way, hat tip to Fox News on that one. In effect. And already, a total of, I think it's not. Hold on, let's go back a little bit further. Let's see. Yes, how many people voted on this, Joe Biden?
0: 10,000 written off. It's passed. I got it passed by a vote or two, and it's in effect.
1: <laughs> it passed by a vote or two, and it's in effect. Now, it's not the case. In fact, it was passed by the Department of Education, and then sent as an executive order into the Biden administration. Congress had nothing to do with it, which is the literal legal challenge of this, saying that Congress did not have the congressional authority as the power of the purse to approve trillions of dollars, or what was it, $200 to $300 billion, to be sent into forgiving individual student loans across the nation. So no, it was not passed, which means either Joe Biden again is a loon and completely forgot about the process on how
0: this was done. Or, or, let's go into the Biden basement. Or, he's
1: trying to create a narrative by the mainstream media to where it makes Republicans look worse going into election season. When they try to challenge this on the legal front saying, wait a second, constitutionally you shouldn't be forgiving people's loans. You took the loan out. You should pay the loan back. If you do, if you argue that, then he's going to say, well, it's already passed. You guys approved it. It's already done by Congress. Already done. It's a law. It's passed. It's done. It's over. Why are you even trying to fight this, you evil, horrible hate mongers, trying to not take care of people when they're in times of need? I don't know which way to take it. I would go for, really, the side that he just doesn't know what he's talking about. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, he was doing a sit-down chat with the media, and that doesn't happen very often. So it's easy for him to get lost and sidetracked and forget what he's talking about. Nonetheless, maybe he's trying to create that narrative. Either way, it's going to come back on evil Republicans for trying to stop helping individuals with the student loan forgiveness. We'll see what the lawsuit has in store as it continues to move forward and potentially freeze that student loan forgiveness that does it for us today we have a laundry list of things to get to this week so make sure to stay tuned in all week long until then be your own voice of reason it's time for you to speak up speak out speak loud speak proud speak the truth and always speak some reason this is the voice of reason i'm andy hoosier we'll see you on the radio